Well, good morning. Um, it is exciting to be back here. It's been, um, gosh, it was awkward when I was shaking hands and, and you had to introduce how long you've gone to the church for. I, I didn't know what to say. I haven't been here in 12 years. And so from seven till probably age 21 I, of my life, this was my home church and this is where I grew up going. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm so thankful for this church and so thankful for um, all that it's been in, in my past and in, in my history. The mayors have been yeah, they could have claimed me on their taxes. I, was, I spent so much time at their house uh, um, and, and went on vacations with them. And they've been just such a blessing to um, myself and, and my family growing up. And so it's kind of an emotional thing to be back here. And, and if you knew me growing up, you'd find it kind of ironic that I'm on this side of a pulpit. Um, I think it kind of proves that God has a sense of humor. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I, as, I was, as I was preparing this week, I was driving and kind of thinking about things, and a song came on the radio. And I don't know if this happens to you often, but it, it does for me. But it, this, this, the song is, it doesn't matter. It was Free Falling by Tom Petty. And um, when it came on, and we all know the chorus to that song, but when we came on, it, like, it, when it came on, it, it instantly drove me back to memories of my childhood. And, you know, that time where you're free and, and you have no responsibilities or cares. And, it, and, it, and I started thinking about church here, and I started thinking, Thinking about my story with the Lord here, and um, and you know I got saved here at a, at a junior high event up at uh, EV Free in Fullerton. Um, I I can remember sitting when when our church was at uh, Tribuco Mesa uh, Elementary School and sitting there in the sanctuary. It's not a sanctuary; it was like a little auditorium. But um, you know, sitting there, and we didn't have children's ministry because I remember we had to we had to sit in the main sanctuary with all the parents, so it must have been a nightmare. Um, but sitting there as a little seven, eight year old, and and with Jonathan uh, and and Leif and and all the other little kids, and and there was Brian Graper, and his uncle was the the pastor then, Pastor Dan, and so he kind of got away with making, well, Rick, you said crap, so I can say fart noises and all kinds of things, um, and, and um, you know, it, it, was, it was so fun to, to kind of, as a young kid, have a church that I could call home, and then I remember, um, well, I remember when I got baptized in my teenage years, I kind of walked away from the Lord and came back and, and scheduled with Brad to get baptized. And um, so it was one Sunday afternoon, and I remember um, Brad had, you know, he said, I think we had a four o'clock baptism. And so I was hanging out and hanging out on my couch, watching TV, eating a sandwich, and I get a phone call, and, he goes, and, and it was Brad. And he goes, Justin, where are you? And I go, I'm watching The Simpsons, having a sandwich. What are, what are you doing? And he goes, dude, we've been waiting for over an hour for you. Um, where are you? And, and I go, I'm hanging out. And he goes, get here quick. And so I rush over to Robinson Ranch. And I didn't know that like half the church was there. Um, and I had to do the walk of shame as I walk up. And everybody's waiting for me. And, and I get in the, the, the hot tub. And, you know, he does his whole, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit thing. And then right before he dunks me, he looks at me and he goes, boy, I hope this sticks. And he, and I, and I remember I just started like underwater laughing and I came up just snot everywhere and, and, uh, and I have good memories. It has stuck. Um, God's been good. And, um, you know, I, I, I love that this is a part of my faith and a part of my, my story with God. And, and, Boy, did I draw the short straw coming back and getting the Psalms, all 150 of them this weekend. And, um, 
<laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. As I, as I listened to a song this week, it was able to draw me back into those old memories. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but if you've probably noticed this, but the, the arts and music and poetry and those types of things in life have that ability to grab us and to bring us, for better or worse, back into old memories. They, they can connect us with something inside of us. Uh, and I bring that up because the Psalms, I think... One of the greatest aspects of the Psalms is that they have the ability uh, to take us as we read them, as we pray through them, as we kind of evaluate what they're saying. They, they take us and they connect us with something deep inside. They are part of that category of life. And uh, this morning we're going to go through the Psalms. Let me open up my notes here because we've got a lot to cover. Um, This morning we're going to go through the Psalms, and one of the things that the video didn't mention um, as you come to the Psalms is, and and I'm sure Craig has probably mentioned mentioned this in the past, but the Psalms are a part of, of writing in the Bible called the Hebrew poetry. Now in the Bible you have different genres of literature. It's really important when you come to a particular genre or particular book, uh, in that case, um, and you're, you're looking to interpret what it says to understand what type of writing that book is. Uh, for instance, we do this in regular life. You don't necessarily pick up a Marvel comic book and read it the same way you would a biology textbook. You know, you pick up the Marvel book and you expect it to be kind of fantasy or, um, or, or myth and legend, and you pick up the biology textbook and you expect fact and information from it. Um, you don't go through an old high school love letter and uh, read it and expect a sense of reality or, um, or, or any, any kind of, you know, it's, it's nostalgic, it's, it's old, it's, it's not based in truth necessarily, it's kind of just metaphors and, 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 and young love. Um, and, and maybe when you pick up a newspaper, you expect... Um, well, modern newspapers, you don't really know what to expect. I guess it's not really based in reality. It's kind of fantasy anyways. But you would, expect, um, you would expect different things from different categories of literature. And the Psalms are, are special. And I think one of the things that the video didn't really get into and, and we'll get into this morning is that the Psalms are written in a special way. They are written as, as poetry. They're written in that type of sense that they are meant to connect with the innermost parts of you. Um, and they're meant to touch your heart. And to connect you with God. Narratives in the Bible don't necessarily have this purpose and intent. Narratives are are books that are meant to tell you stories. And and the epistles are meant to kind of lay out doctrines and teachings so that you can kind of understand them better. But the, the Psalms are different and they're unique because they connect to a different part of you. And it's something deep inside. They touch your soul. And so we're going to look at this morning um, how they do that. And I have two points, um, and we're, we're titling the message The Head and the Heart. And um, I should have called it The Heart and the Head because the first point is it has to deal with our hearts. Um, and the first point we're going to look at is the, that the Psalms, if you take notes, the Psalms are an expression of the human experience with God. The Psalms are an expression of the human experience with God. That means we have all kinds of things going on in life, and, and the Psalms have this ability uh, through praise, through lament, through all the different types of, of writings they do to connect with what we're going through and to connect that with God. Um, and they do this through worship. They do this through praise. Turn with me really quick in your Bibles to Psalm 103. We'll look at that one real quick. Psalm 103 is a great song of worship written by David. Um, and it was, it was during a time of his life, and, and, and he, he's kind of writing from, and you kind of couple this psalm if you, if you take them together with Psalm 104, and it's kind of a mirror of Psalm 145. Um, it's a time where David's just writing, and he's calling people to worship. 
he's feeling this great, you know, this, this great emotion. I, I love, and this is what this psalm kind of captures, what C.S. Lewis says about the psalms in his writings. He says, the most valuable thing that the psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. It's, it's a great quote because C.S. Lewis was looking at these and he goes, look, there's this ability in the Psalms to kind of grab something inside of us and say, this is why we worship. This is why we praise. We need to learn how to express that. Psalm 103, we'll just read the first uh, five verses. They say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As David writes here, he gets into the, the heart of worship and, he, and he, he doesn't just go, hey, listen, I, I want you guys to do God some lip service. I want you guys to just, you know, during those songs, kind of follow along and sing after the worship leader. He goes, no, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like the deepest, most, most, most deep-rooted part of me where my emotions are found, where my heart is, where my will is, where my, my decisions are made. That, that deep in my, in my soul, he goes, listen, we've got to learn to bless God with that. And then he repeats, and this is a, a common uh, part of, of Hebrew poetry called parallelism. He goes, in all that's within me, he kind of repeats the same thing. Your soul is the deepest part of you. So he goes, everything in me needs to learn to worship God. And then he reflects on who God is and what he's done. He goes, he forgets, or, well, I'm sorry, let me, I forget. Um, forget not all his benefits. He forgives your iniquities. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He begins going through and he goes, listen, I, if, if I know this is true about God, it should cause something in me to kind of bubble up and erupt out. Bless the Lord. Now, I mean, you can't get through the Psalms without coming across this time and time again. David and, and all the psalmists have this incredible knack to say, listen, your worship of God should be a reflection of what you know about God. And we're going to get into the head part, what we know later. But if you really do know the Lord and you really do understand that he's, he's forgiven your iniquities and your sins, he's redeemed your life from destruction, well, you shouldn't necessarily be a static follower of God. The Psalms are going to lead you to understand that you can't go through this and, and, and just fake it. Your heart has to be connected with God. And from the deepest parts of you, you need to learn to express that to him. Just a few Psalms over in Psalm 107, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He goes, listen, if you're redeemed, if you've been saved by God, say so. It's not just this, I'm not just going to sit during worship and go, ah, oh, yeah, that's true. No, he goes, say so. The, the deepest parts of you are going to reflect back to God and they're going to, they're, they're going to have this, this response where they want to call out and they want to worship God. And David goes, listen, this is, this is something we all have to understand. And, and the Psalms lead us to, to this type of expression in the Bible. We all are on the worship team. We all are leaders of praise and worship. We all are called to not just sit here and not just go through the motions, but to, to reflect back if we really understand what God has done for us in worship and praise, the glory that's due to him. Now, I, I mean, you know, 
a lot of us, and I'm included, I'm kind of a passive guy. I'm not this loud worshiper. I don't like dancing and and doing that. And and I kind of, I tend to just be the type of person that, that goes, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. And that's kind of all that it's at. You know, on my face, I'm just kind of like, this is what we do. But you can't go through the Psalms and be that type of person. Over in Psalm 100, he says this, Make, uh, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Psalm 98, he says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. And one of the first and foremost things you're going to be confronted with as you go through the Psalms, as you begin to, to learn uh, you know, what they're teaching you as you read these, is that you've got a real responsibility to worship and praise God. God doesn't look for any people sitting on the sidelines when it comes to, to worshiping and praising. We've all got this response. If we really understand what God has done, if we really feel that in our hearts, to not just let it sit under the surface, to not just be stoic and, and be afraid of what other people think, but to learn to worship the God, God with all that's within us. Uh, and... and from this point, as we look at that part of, of expression in the Psalms, you also notice in the, in the uh, video that they had, a, as they talked about praise, they had a second counterpart to praise that the Psalms also cover called lament. Um, and, and this is an important part of expression, right? The, the Psalms help us to, to bring our full experience of life before God, and part of that is worship and praise, but the other part is this part of life that, that can hurt, that can be painful, that can be frustrating, Turn with me really quickly to Psalm 42. Sorry, I'm going to make you turn your Bibles four times, so we're halfway done if you get there. Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is a great and amazing psalm. I love this psalm. It's written, I picked it because it's written by the sons of Korah, so you get a kind of different author here. Um, the sons of Korah were, were active in the, the temple worship, um, and, and they write this psalm, and, and let me read to you the first uh, four verses. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, and they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them into the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. So Psalm 42, if you go through the rest of the psalm, has a different tone of it than the worship psalms we were just looking at. As a matter of fact, the tone here is, is kind of a, a frustrated writer. He, he writes in the beginning there, as my, uh, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He's saying, listen, I'm at this place, and he's not saying this in, in necessarily the positive sense, like, ooh, yay, my soul thirsts for God. He's saying, I'm really frustrated. I, I feel like I want to be close to God, but it's just not clicking. It's just not happening. It's, I feel alone. And he, he goes, my enemies look at me, and they're like, where is your God? Because they're looking at my life and it just doesn't seem like it's working. I used to, he says in verse 4, I, I used to go into the house of God and worship with joy and praise. But now there's something inside of me that just feels like it's lacking. Feels like it's not there. It's not clicking. I bring this up to you not, not because this is a good place to be. Not because we should all strive to be there. But because it's a place that at one time or another we're all going to be. 
We're all going to feel this in a relationship with God. We're all going to feel these dark nights of our soul where, where it feels like we're kind of alone and isolated, where we look around and we go, God, where are you? I used to be so alive, it used to be so lively, but now I just feel like the, the fire has gone out. And I bring this up because God wants to hear all of it from you. God isn't just interested in the parts of you that are happy and, and, you know, and, and dutifully worshiping like you know you should. God looks at you and he goes, even in your darkest hour, even in your greatest time of need, you don't have to pretend that you have it all together. You don't have to pretend that you're something you're not. I want honesty from you. And, and some people look at God and they go, that's kind of heretical. That's kind of bad. Like, aren't we always supposed to, you know, if, if we're not feeling it, just get through it by faith and, and know that God, and, and aren't we supposed to trust in him and know that he's going to get us through this? And, and the answer to that is yes, of course. But on the way there, you have very real human emotions. You have very real hurts and pains and needs. You have very real frustrations and wants and desires and things that, that you feel in your soul. And God doesn't just go, hey, I only want the good stuff when you come to me. He goes, no, bring it all to me. Bring every last part of your, uh, of your soul and, and what you're feeling as a human and learn to express that to me. Flip over real quick to Psalm 13 for just another look at this. I think David takes it to the next level in Psalm 13, just the first two verses, when David says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? I know it sounds kind of like he's a teenager who just got dumped or something like that, but David wrote this much later on in life as he's, as he's going through the, the, the hills and the, and, and the mountains and, and hiding from Saul, and he's, and he's wondering, hey, I've been anointed king, I've been, I've been told that I, I'm in charge of this, yet it feels like God has left me alone. And I love this, this because it, it comes from David. David, who's called in the New Testament a man after God's own heart. I mean, someone that the Bible looks at and says, if you want to have an exemplary heart towards God, maybe not always actions, but heart towards God, David is your man. Look at him. And I look at this and I just hear him complaining. I hear him frustrated. I hear him feeling alone. And I go, you know what? That's actually me most of the time. And it's nice to know that God considers this a man after his heart because he knows where to take those complaints. He knows where to go with those problems. You know, for me, I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I consider the idea of expression not very manly. You know, I, I, I've said it a bunch of times, we need to learn to go to God and express ourselves. Um, growing up, I, I didn't really have, my dad wasn't around much, so I, I, I kind of took my cues from the other guys in my life. And I remember, you know, none of my soccer and baseball coaches ever pulled me aside and just said, hey, why don't you express to me why you're feeling so down right now? You know, why, why are you in a slump, Justin? You know, and I can remember times where I, I went with, with Johnny and with Phil and we went out and we went shooting in the desert and we never sat around the campfire and said, hey, well, how are you guys feeling right now? You know, how, why do you guys express how it made you feel to shoot guns? No, it was like, hey, that was great. Awesome. Let's go do it again. And so I kind of took cues growing up and, and, and I think some of us kind of do this where you take your emotions and you take your frustrations and your anxieties in life and you just learn to kind of bury them. Kind of, it's, it's the manly thing to do for us guys to kind of ignore that and to just push through. To kind of just not feel and to go. 
Well, nothing could be further from what God wants from us in the Bible. He doesn't want us going around and wearing our, our emotions on our sleeve and everyone that comes up crying to them. But, but in some senses, he goes, come to me with that. Come to me and learn to express. And I love that this is a man after God's own heart who's saying this. He's like, how long are you going to leave me? How long am I going to feel rejected? How long are my enemies going to get what they don't deserve and me going to get what I don't deserve? How long, God? And, and, and I can only imagine, you know, studies and polls have shown um, that, you know, with, with parenting, as, as far as male figures, with fathers, that um, one of the greatest, let me read you this, one of the greatest influences in a young uh, child's happiness, well-being, and social and academic success is having a loving and nurturing father. You know, and I can only imagine my son Connor, who's seven, if he came up to me and he wanted to tell me how bad of a day he had or how much he hates you know, a sport that he's playing, and I'm just kind of totally into it, and I just want him to act okay, and I just want him to be you know, tough through it and just have faith and just get through it and just trust me. And, and if I treated my son like that, well, he wouldn't be very close and he wouldn't be very connected to me at all. If I only let my son come to me when he was happy and when he was doing well and when he was getting academic awards and he was doing all the good things, then I wouldn't be a very good dad at all. As a matter of fact, my son would grow up to resent me. He would hate me. He'd want to get away from me. He would want to do things in rebellion of me. He'd probably go postal one day because he couldn't express himself. And, and, and this is how God, God knows how he wired us. God knows each and every one of us in here, hey, he wired you a certain way, and, and I want you, in, it, in order to have a close relationship with me, to be able to come to me with everything. Not just the, the happy stuff, but the bad stuff too when you're going through hurt and when you're going through pain when it doesn't make sense. And the Psalms do an amazing job at, at taking us in the full experiences of our life and, and teaching us to bring that to God. And that's our first point for, for this morning. But, um, you know, that deals with our heart. Our second point deals with our head. Because the Psalms definitely have a lot to speak as far as the head. And, and if you're taking notes, the second point this morning is this. The Psalms are an invitation to know and trust God. It's a very simple thing. The Psalms are an invitation to know and to trust God. I love what Martin Luther said, the reformer. He said, the Psalms are a little Bible wherein everything contained in the entire Bible is beautifully and briefly comprehended. There's kind of something different about the Psalms when you come to them because you get this, this fullness of, of, of a vision of who God is and, and what his plan is and what he's doing. And, and Martin Luther looked at him and he goes, listen, you can't help but when you come to the Psalms and you go through the Psalms to see that almost everything that the Bible is laying out is found in this book. And you can't help... Uh, but discover who God is as you go through the Psalms. I went through this week, as I had the fun privilege of studying all 150 of them this week, because I'm a procrastinator, so I didn't do this over the last month. I was just jamming them all in and reading all the Psalms this week. But I, as I did it, I noted um, every major attribute of God is found in the Psalms. Every single major attribute of God. And when we say attribute, that's his character, his, his way of being and doing, are, are found in the Psalms. Let me, let me read to you just a few. In Psalm 102, it says, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. God is eternal. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and loving, slow to anger, and full of constant love. God is love. God is gracious. Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. 
God is holy. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high and above all peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. Just for the last ones, God is righteous and just. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Psalm 103, verse 6. And I could go on from attribute to attribute. His, his knowledge, his wisdom, his, his power, all of that is found in the Psalms. And you, you can't help when you go through the Psalms but begin to know and to understand what God is like, who he is, what makes him, uh, what makes him God. And the Psalms engage your mind in that way. They teach you about God, who he is and what he's done. As so many of the psalmists reflect on different stories and different events that have happened in the, in the Psalms. And I want, I want to make a point, though, that as you gain this knowledge, the Psalms don't lay out knowledge about God, or as we would call it, theology. The word theo means God, and, and logos is word in the Greek, and so theology, words about God, if you hear that term. The, the theology laid out in the Psalms is not meant to, to be taken as kind of like a, a, a college course that you figure out and you understand, or, or like the stock market where you can figure it out and predict what's happening next. The, the, the information and knowledge of God is given so that you can trust God. It's, it's given to you so that it can change your walk in a certain way that will draw you to a deeper level of trust and faith in God. For an example of this, turn for our final one to Psalm 23. Famous psalm today. And we're going to look at it just in the sense of understanding just, just what David's knowledge, even as just a young shepherd in the fields, writing this psalm, his knowledge of God caused him to understand and, and feel as he and it drew a new level of trust with him as we look at this psalm. Psalm 23, just the first four verses say this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just as we're looking at this psalm, and there's a few more verses, but we'll just pause here to, to, to understand this. David had this understanding and knowledge of God. God is my king. God is my protector. And so he was able to kind of make an analogy. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. The Lord, and, and if you follow what he's saying here, as he understands who God is, as he understands what God is like, he begins to say, this has some very real application for my life. He leads me. He guides me. He directs me. He protects me. And then ultimately in, in verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's like, I really begin to understand who God is, and I understand that he's with me. Therefore, it's going to do something with the fear in my life and the dangers that I'm going through and the things that I don't understand. And you see, this is the point of all the praise and, and knowledge that we get in the Psalms about God that it draws us to a greater level of trust, a greater level of humility, a greater, a greater level of reverence and awe and respect of God, and a greater level of dependence upon him. 
And, and it doesn't matter what psalm you pick up, whether it's Psalm 8 where it talks about, and you can look at this, in Psalm 8, it's, it's, you know, he says, out of the, the mouth of nursing infants and babes, I have ordained praise. And he goes on to t- talk about uh, in Psalm 8 how God's glory is set above the heavens and how, how his glory is amazing. And then at the end, it says, as, as he gets to the application part, he says, but who is man that you are mindful of him? He goes, after I study and understand God and I praise him and I worship him, all of a sudden I come to this point where I go, holy cow, who am I to boss you around, God? Who am I to question your ways? Who are we that you are even mindful of us? And the Psalms have this amazing ability to give us knowledge about God so that we would have a a foundation for trust. That we would have something underneath us as we, as, as we hope in him, as we walk forward in our walks, as, as we begin to move forward. And, and then we can go into worship and then we can go into praise and we can feel and we can express to him the doubts and problems we have. But, but then come back to what we do know, what we do understand about God. And so today I, I just wanted to get into kind of the, the heart of worship that the Psalms express to us by looking at the heart first of all, that that God wants involved, and the head. They're both important, the head and the heart. There's a great song by United Pursuit called The Head and the Heart, and and the the chorus goes, you know, from the head to the heart, you take me on a journey to letting go and getting lost in you. And I almost think if we look at the Psalms in that light, from the head to the heart, God takes us on a journey in this book of of letting go of of who we are and letting go of what holds us back in life and letting go of of our egos and our personalities and kind of getting lost in, in who God is and worshiping and praising him. You can't have the heart without the head. You can't have the head without the heart. God wants both. He wants your mind engaged and he wants your heart opened up to him. And I'm telling you, as you do that, Man, the Psalms ignite a fire and a passion in your life. If you're willing to, to humble yourself, if you're willing to go through these and read them and, and open your heart and express yourself to God, it might mean for some of us that we take the step as the closing song and communion is, is here, that we take the step of, of singing louder than we've sung before, of not worrying what people around us think of us. God forbid we raise our hands or do something like that, but let's just take a first step of, of, of really drawing into that. Maybe for others of us, it's, it's getting out and learning to, to praise God. You know, this morning, normally I have to, uh, at my church, I have to be there at 6 in the morning, and so I don't really have much of a Sunday morning, but it was nice to come in here this morning, and beforehand I went and walked around the RSM Lake and, um, you know, just started praising God. Before all those bugs and geese got to me, um, like, gosh, the lake is... <laughs> It was beautiful, and, and it was nice to walk and praise God and to, 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 to reflect back to him and to go through some of my frustrations and to read through some of these psalms and to see that they connect and brought me comfort and brought me understanding about God. But all of us, we're called to an active and vibrant relationship with God. And this week, as you, as you go about your week, grab your Bible, read through a psalm, Take it in, pray it through, talk to God, express yourself. You're going to find that when you do that, when you really let that side of you, that, that part of you that, I mean, without, that part of you is there. Because I know I've seen you guys all at baseball games and at football games and at your kids' hockey games and all that. Without part of us is there, right? We'll scream for our kids. We'll scream for the angels. We'll scream for whoever else or UCLA um, and, and anything else. 
God goes, listen, that part of you is there. And the Psalms, the Psalms call us to let that part out, to be active in our faith, to draw deeper into a relationship with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're big enough to handle all of our tantrums, all of our frustrations, all of our pain, all of our hurt, all of our doubts. That you're big enough also that all of our praise and all of our worship barely even touches the surface of of what you deserve and what you're worth. God, you are holy. You're eternal. And who are we that you're mindful of us? God, we are so thankful that you give us a book like the Psalms, that you give us something that can help us express who we are and and who you are to us, but also at the same time to know you in a greater way. So all of us pray this week, Lord, that you would you would take a greater part of our hearts and our lives, that you would move in us and you would give us the ability to connect with you, that our hearts would be on fire for you and alive for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.